In order to support this show and keep providing you tons of free content week after week, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash she and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better so that we can bring on advertisers that you won't want to skip through. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. But again, that's P-O-D com slash she. Thanks for your help. I want this message to be more than a moment. I want it to be an ongoing movement in all of our lives mm-hmm. so we can know who we are and live as who we are every single day. Mm-hmm. So when the lies of the enemy come into our lives and tell us we're not enough or we're not doing enough mm-hmm. or that someone else can us or our past disqualifies us mm-hmm. that we are able to not just know truth but live as if mm-hmm. the word of god is true and mm-hmm. so one of the things that has been massive for me is unlocking what some of the rhythms of jesus were you're listening to she with jordan lee dooley a personal development podcast for the everyday woman Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Hosanna, welcome to She. I am so thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, so thrilled to have you. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. But before we dive into all of it, I would love if you can just share a little bit about what you do, and how you got into spoken word poetry for those who may not be familiar with you. Yeah, so I grew up on the streets of San Francisco. My dad actually was a recovered addict Mm. who fought in a Chinese gang. He had bullet holes alongside his calves from the last time he ran from the police, from the last time he robbed someplace. Mm. And someone introduced him to Jesus, and Jesus changed his whole life. Mm. And he ended up starting an outreach on the streets of San Francisco to those living without homes and battling Mm. with addiction, just like he did. And that's where I grew up. That's how I learned church. People Mm. brought their alcohol bottles. People brought their needles. I learned later in life when other people said they were also raised in church. Mm. We weren't talking about like the exact same thing, Yeah, but that is where I learned that Jesus could save anyone's Mm. soul and redeem anyone's story and would use anyone who would say yes. Mm. And it's also where I learned the art of spoken word poetry. You know, the truth is that everyone on the streets did it. Some form of hip hop or freestyling, just oral storytelling. Think about a lot of people's backgrounds. They're in homes or maybe they're in and out of prison Mm. and they don't have a lot of Courses. So a lot of oral storytelling takes place in those places. Mm-hmm. When I go and minister in those places, I can tell that all of us kind of share this art in common. So for me, it wasn't something that was so different. It was the language that all my friends spoke. And so we shared our stories, we shared our backgrounds, our questions, our hopes. And it was all through the art of spoken word poetry. Mm-hmm. And I was totally like young for it. They were so cool and nice for bringing me into their, mm-hmm. you know, friend groups to try to teach me it. Mm-hmm. But over time, when Jesus became real to me. And I grew up knowing Jesus for real. He naturally became kind of the subject Mm -hmm. of most of my spoken word pieces. And when I was seeing my dad with this extraordinary testimony and this Mm -hmm. amazing ministry, of course, I felt very, I don't know, insignificant in the Mm -hmm. shadow of that thinking, okay, then what am I going to do to bring hope or joy to anyone? Mm -hmm. Well, I had this one thing that all my friends did. So it first just became the natural way I spoke to my friends, you know, like Mm -hmm. in your friend groups, the thing you have in common, you love 
shopping, you love music, you love, you know, indie artists, whatever it is, that power of commonality is one of the most powerful things in the world. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was the word that ultimately let me kind of share about Jesus to my friends. So I got into it when I was really young. I grew up doing it. And then it wasn't until later, like in college, I got my degree in creative writing, my minor in theology, where I started to see that I could use this short form way of oral storytelling to also tell the gospel of Jesus and help people know more about who they are. And then I started taking it seriously as as a way to really share the truth about Jesus. And I've been doing it ever since. Wow, what a story. And also like so interesting and encouraging to hear not only your dad's testimony, but also what your experience of church was growing up. Because I, like you said, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I grew up in church and we kind of have this one vision of what that's like, right? And yeah, just understanding like that is church too. And God shows up there too mm-hmm. is so I think important for us to hear. And also just yeah. a powerful part of your story. So I'm really thankful for the way that you shared that. Yeah, I agree. I wonder if you find this too, but just with conversations we have with women, so many of us have had real hurt within mm-hmm. faith communities, yeah. whether that's one person mm-hmm. or multiple people. Mm-hmm. So our idea of church mm-hmm. at times doesn't even really represent who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And that pain is real and something that all of us deserve to have real healing from. Mm-hmm. And even after you know, I was sharing about Jesus, my dad got cancer and passed away when I was 18. And for me, at that point in my life, I really started to have a very hard heart towards the church. Mm-hmm. The people who I thought would stay didn't. Mm-hmm. The people who I thought would be in my life forever weren't. Mm-hmm. And after I graduated college, I set out to share the gospel through spoken word poetry. Mm-hmm. And I actually ended up doing that for four and a half years from hotel room to hotel room, guest room to guest room. Churches and families from all over the country housed me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a home for four and a half years. As I traveled around the country and shared spoken word in prisons, recovery ministries, churches, conferences, and yes, God did awesome stuff through me, praise the Lord, but Mm -hmm. he did more in me. During that time, I had a very hard heart towards the church. Mm -hmm. I was one of those people who said, I'm down for Jesus, but I'm not down for Jesus people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I just feel like I I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, like these clicks are far too cool for me. I can't mm-hmm. tell who even likes God or likes people. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like church adjacent, like I'm down for what we believe in, but I just cannot like actively live this out with you people. Mm-hmm. And my heart, my heart was very hard and and living with all these families, pastors and their wives and across denominations, across state lines, across cultures. I really got to see the beauty of the community of the church, mm-hmm. what it could be with hospitality and no shame. And then I saw that I could be a part of creating the community for, mm-hmm. that I could also be the church, be cynical about the church. I want to be a part of the solution. I want to be a part of the community I've been praying for. If this is the love of Jesus's life, how can we represent him better? So I will say that I'm by no means at the end, you know, completed mm-hmm. this journey, but it's something that I've decided, you know, I'm not going to leave the love of Jesus's life and just point at all those people. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say, God, can we be the people, me and my friend, everyone I know, can we be the people that represent you well? Mm-hmm. And so I think I learned a lot of that. I could say some of my greatest lessons about the church I learned from the streets of San Francisco and also some of my greatest lessons in leadership. A lot of it, I think I cultivated at a young age from the streets I'm from. Yeah. Wow. That's Well, first of all, I think a lot of people can really relate to that and have felt that at one point or another, maybe feel that now. And it's it's really powerful the way that, you know, just even being kind of 
in that community, but not necessarily like you were seeking like a formal church community, but just living alongside of them, the way that God used that to shift your heart posture a little bit. Because I think a lot of us see the problem, you know, and we almost want to avoid it when, when, when we come mm. across it. And I think sometimes the invitation is actually to be part of the change. And it doesn't mean we're going to do it perfectly because we're all broken. But I think that that's a good thing to be reminded of, you know, and I I love the way that the Lord used those years in your life to kind of shape your heart and pull you to this place where, like you said, I'm not just going to like abandon the love of Jesus' life, but how do I, how do I do it well, you know, and how can I be part of the, of the change that I want to see or of the, the community that I've I've been looking for versus avoiding it, you know? So I love that you shared that. I think that's a good reminder for all of us. So yeah. Amen. No, I love that. Well, that's what I love about this podcast and the community you've built. Mm-hmm. I can tell that it's people that want practical tools and how to really live the lives they were created to live practically. Mm-hmm. You for also being an example of that. I'm here to learn and I'm so grateful to be a part of it. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's so encouraging. Speaking of, you know, creating and cultivating community and all of that, I would love if you can just share a little bit more about how you create your spoken word pieces. What does that creative process look like for you? I've used spoken word poetry as a means to share gospel for the better half of my life. And so if I was teaching this to artists, even in a secular setting or school, I would say, you know, there's some spoken word poetry that's meant for the page mm-hmm. and there's some that's meant for the stage. Mm-hmm. There's some that's perhaps personal and therapeutic for you and private, mm-hmm. but then there's things that are meant to help other people, stories mm-hmm. that must be shared mm-hmm. so you can help other people know who they are and how to live. And I would say that for me, most of mine isn't made for the page. I don't have all these spoken word pieces and journals Mm -hmm. that are just private. My writing has always been to share about who people are Mm -hmm. and how God sees them and the truth about God. So for me, my creative process is actually very similar to how I write messages Mm -hmm. or sermons for churches. Mm -hmm. A big way that I start all of them is to ask myself, what questions are everyone asking? Mm What is everyone wondering? Mm -hmm. I don't want to go and just say all these answers to questions nobody's asking. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking about all the conversations I'm having with real people Mm -hmm. and what they're feeling, the questions they have, because God has real answers for people's real Mm -hmm. questions. So I think there's something very, I like to call it being bilingual, Mm -hmm. like knowing the language of the people around you really well, what hurts they're going through, their lens of the world, the questions that they have, mm-hmm. and then knowing God's lens really well, being in the Word to know what God is saying, what He said, and His lens of us, and being able to communicate what God is saying to where people really are is kind of the art. What is everyone wondering? What is everyone going through? And how does God see us? And what does He have to say about that? Is kind of how I start every piece. So hopefully nothing is just for me, but it's for other people. So that's probably my creative process for writing messages and spoken word Mm -hmm. pieces and books, all of it. You know, what do people really need right now? And how is something I'm uniquely equipped to say crossing Mm -hmm. with a question that everyone in the world is asking right now? Yeah, that's so good. I mean, I feel like I relate to that a lot too when it comes to writing and, you know, whether it's writing a book or writing a message, like, so often, you know, a lot of people ask me like, well, where, where do you draw inspiration? And it's so similar to what you said, where it's like, I'm, I lean into the conversations that I've been having with friends or yeah. people that I know or feedback I'm getting when I'm, you know, speaking or whatever it might be. And, and it's kind of like, okay, this is making it really clear what questions or challenges or pain points somebody might be experiencing or a, a certain group is experiencing. And how can I speak into that? Like you said, like cross their questions with what you're uniquely equipped yeah. to speak about. And I just, I love that. I think that's, I think we might overlook that. Like, I think sometimes we think in order to get inspired, we need to go on like a vacation and be 
by the beach. And it's like, that's helpful. But honestly, just like leaning into those questions that you are wrestling with yourself or have wrestled with or the conversations you're having, you know, so much comes out of that. And the Lord uses that in such a powerful way when it comes to creating. Yeah. Real relationships Mm -hmm. with real people. Yeah. I love that a lot. And I know like a lot of women listening are also writers and creatives. And I do think like if I was in a room of writers, creators, entrepreneurs, or people who want to start, one thing I would suggest is that I know a lot of us have a lot of messages within us. Mm-hmm. Like if I was speaking to authors, they might say, I want to start, but I have like 20 messages mm-hmm. in my heart in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. I think mm-hmm. you have multiple messages that you're called to give. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the tools that we have is to think about what is something that you're uniquely mm-hmm. called and qualified to say, and then how, what of those things Mm -hmm. is answering questions that people have today Mm -hmm. because there might be a very specific thing people are going through today that you can help them with. And there might be other things welling up inside of you that are really for a world in 10 years Mm -hmm. or for people in life down the road. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't get frustrated with that. I'd give yourself a lot of grace and Mm -hmm. think, okay, Lord, show me Mm -hmm. how I'm equipped uniquely for this moment Mm -hmm. right now. And also to speak on the relational thing, you know, we were talking earlier just about the amount of women who are creatives, writers, entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. moms, daughters, as Mm -hmm. well as leaders Mm -hmm. that are part of your community. Mm -hmm. And I will say that one of my greatest lessons about writing and leadership came from the underground spoken word Mm -hmm. uh, scene one of the things, you know, when it came growing up to the, the competitive art mm-hmm. of spoken word poetry is called slam poetry. Mm-hmm. And there's like the organized bougie competitions mm-hmm. where people would go to a ticketed event and they would perform their spoken word pieces and there would be a panel of judges. Maybe your heroes, published authors, mm-hmm. published poets, people you've looked up to. Mm-hmm. There'd be a panel of judges. You'd perform your spoken word pieces and then all the judges would give you a score. Know, giving you value, telling you if you're a good writer or not. And that's the way that kind of the the elite of the slam poetry world would compete. Mm-hmm. But in the underground slam poetry world, mm-hmm. where we are 200 of us like smushed together mm-hmm. in a record store or bar or coffee shop after hours mm-hmm. or a community college cafeteria, and we're breaking all the fire codes mm-hmm. and we're all there <laughs> together in the underground slam poetry world. There are no judges. There is no table of published authors. Mm-hmm. There's an MC. And the MC says, who here has never been to a poetry slam before? Mm-hmm. And then all these people raise their hands who maybe their cousin dragged them there mm-hmm. or they're there on an English class assignment because mm-hmm. they have to mm-hmm. write about poetry or something. And then all these people raise their hands, maybe the cynics, mm-hmm. maybe people who don't like poetry. And then the MP gives all of them the scorecards, signifying that the underground would always be the voice of the people and that we don't want to be poets who are just out there trying to impress other poets. Mm-hmm. If we can't communicate to the everyday person, then we're not communicating at all. Mm-hmm. And I will say has been one of the greatest lessons in my leadership and in my life and my writing. God, don't let us be speakers who are just impressing other speakers mm-hmm. or writers who are impressing other writers, leaders who are trying to impress other writers. Let us be able to convey hope to people who perhaps have never heard about hope before. Mm-hmm. And so that has been really a compass for me in my writing and my leading is God, what are what is everyone going through in this room? And how can I actually communicate it to them? And I think any of us who are in the writing space or speaking space, whether it's more private or more public, mm-hmm. we can 
if we're not careful, get into the headspace of just comparing our communication mm-hmm. style to other communicators mm-hmm. without thinking about the people in the room online or with mm-hmm. our books or with our work who we are communicating to. Mm-hmm. And we want to think way more about the consumer than the competition. And we want to think way more about other people knowing that they are loved than we want people being obsessed with loving us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good compass mm-hmm. for anyone who wants to write, not impressively, mm-hmm. but effectively, mm-hmm. is to think way more about the people in the room that you're communicating to. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the judges. Don't worry about the critics. Mm-hmm. Think about the people who would raise their hand saying, I've never heard about this mm-hmm. good news before. Mm-hmm. I love what you said, the consumer over the, did you say over the comparison? Is that what you said? That really stuck out to me. And I yeah, the consumer. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, the consumer more than your competition. That's right, it's competition. Yeah, yeah, that, and even just the the you know challenge to consider like is what I'm doing helping people know that they are loved, or am I focused on being loved? You know, like and being yeah. or being you know approved or being you know impressive or whatever. Like, what a important mindset shift in the creative process, and even like when in any calling of yours, you know, whether that's being a vet mm-hmm. or speaking, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, but I think that's something we lose sight of sometimes because we want to excel. We want to be, you know, good at our craft. We want to succeed, et cetera. But I think we sometimes lose sight of the fact that success is actually helping people feel loved. Like there's that, there's that line that they often say, even in the business world, which is people won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think there's so much truth to that. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, we can get so caught up in like knowing the most or being the most articulate or, you know, um, impressing or getting an award or whatever the like accolade might be that we completely lose sight of what it actually takes to be good. And what it actually takes to fulfill your calling is what you just said, helping people know that they're loved, whatever medium you do that through, whether that's spoken word, writing books, taking care of, you know, people's sick children or pets or whatever it is that you do, you know, it's like, whatever your craft is, like keeping that in mind, that is what will ultimately help you excel and be excellent at what you do. And it can really, like you said, kind of push back on that comparison that can come up, that doubt that that, that can come up, that insecurity, because I don't know how else you would fight that. You know, like I'm, I'm curious if that's, if, do you right. feel like that's really the way that you kind of keep a lot of that at bay, especially as a creative? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I don't always do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was more of an issue maybe in my earlier years, but mm-hmm. now as the art is used with mm-hmm. the purpose of helping people mm-hmm. and showing people God, mm-hmm. there is no scale that mm-hmm. you can equate this with. Right. You know, you can't tell me if I hit the bestseller list mm-hmm. of obeying God. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me if I got the amount of likes on this thing yeah. that God wanted me to have. Like the scale mm-hmm. is not in the hands of humans mm-hmm. and the, you know, the gauge of success doesn't lie within human hands or human lists. So mm-hmm. I think since the past decade, this art form and all my writing, all my speaking has been all about making much of God mm-hmm. and showing people who God is and who they are. Mm-hmm. Really, there is no earthly scale. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just about obeying God. And so I think when you can focus on that, it helps a lot Mm -hmm. with comparison. It helps a lot with, you know, trying to be like other people. Mm -hmm. I think when you keep focused on, you know, the purpose of it all, Mm -hmm. it helps you focus less on yourself or your insecurities or your patience because you realize that that's not why you're doing it anyway. Yeah. So good. So good. Okay. So kind of in the same vein of conversation, I know that you recently returned to the studio for the first time in, is it six years to re-record your spoken word yeah. piece? Okay. So the new, the spoken yeah. word piece that you re-recorded is called, I have a new name. And I know a little bit about it. I know it's kind of about doubting our own identity and things like this, but I'd love to just hear from you. Like, what is this piece about and why did you want to re-record it? 
Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, this is the first time I've been asked about this. <laughs> so, praise God. Let me think about how to say this uh, in a clear way. Yeah, six years ago was the last time I was in the studio recording. Mm-hmm. And since then, it's not that I haven't shared the gospel. I've shared about Jesus through preaching and mm-hmm. writing books. Mm-hmm. I've done it in other ways, but not through spoken word poetry. Mm-hmm. And the season I was in was just one of those seasons that you think might take you out. There was just so much loss mm-hmm. physically, personally, mm-hmm. relationally, financially. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I went through one of the greatest seasons of loss in our whole marriage. Mm-hmm. And there was just so much pain in this season. So after I recorded, so actually I Have a New Name was the last piece I recorded six years ago as well. Mm-hmm. It came out of a season that was so dark and painful, and I really needed to learn who I really was mm-hmm. and what God really said about me mm-hmm. and see myself through God's lens mm-hmm. to reconnect with myself, reconnect with God. So six years ago was the last time I was in the studio. I recorded I Have a New Name and I never did. I never wrote spoken word poetry again after that. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, and so this past six years have been some of the most sanctifying, truly deep healing years mm-hmm. of my life, mm-hmm. being set free from lies. I actually never knew I could be set free from. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, I asked God to make me very aware of my position in the world right now. Mm-hmm. God, what is something I can do now that I can't do in 20 years? Mm-hmm. God, as I'm looking at what you want, might want me to do, and I have lots of ideas, mm-hmm. and certainly other people have lots mm-hmm. of ideas, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what is important about my stage of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my age and this moment, you know, mm-hmm. like God, make me aware mm-hmm. of how you would like to use me. And there was this message on identity mm-hmm. that I had left behind six years ago that was attached to that spoken word piece, but also just the message of speaking about who we are kind of wrapped up all in that. Mm-hmm. And I strongly felt like God was calling me go back into spoken word poetry, but I knew that that would mean going back into that season where maybe I had not mm-hmm. forgiven some people mm-hmm. or forgiven myself mm-hmm. for the things that I dropped the ball on those those years ago. Mm-hmm. And I will be honest, I said no. Mm-hmm. I just knew I didn't want to go through that healing. Mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't strong enough for it. And I, I didn't want to go through it. So I will say like twofold, I felt like God was saying, you know, as I'm saying, God, how can you use me in this moment? I felt like God was saying to go back to what helped me when I was younger, go back to how I pointed people to Jesus, or what pointed me to Jesus when I was younger. As I'm here saying, like, what do I got to learn, God? Do I got to learn TikTok? Mm-hmm. Like, what do I got to learn? I got to learn YouTube. Like, what do you want me to do to help this generation? Mm-hmm. I really felt strongly like God was saying the same thing that I've used in your life, I want you to use mm-hmm. now. And people are obsessed with sounds nowadays, you know, mm-hmm. trending sounds, reusing sounds, making sounds. And God saying, I really want this generation to have the sound of truth mm-hmm. echoing in their cars and their homes and their hearts. Mm-hmm. I've given you something to do that with. So I did feel a sense of mission, mm-hmm. but it also came personal. You know, I don't believe God cares more about what he wants to do through us Mm -hmm. than what he wants to do in us. Mm -hmm. So often when he calls you to do something, it's because of something he wants to do within you. And I just thought, oh man, I'm going to have to go back to that painful place. So I went back into the studio with a new, not just a new name, but Mm -hmm. a new perspective and a new authority because of the healing I've had these past few years in my personal and I knew I wanted to start with I Have a New Name. So I'm back in the studio re-recording some of my most well-known and well-loved pieces Mm -hmm. for my spoken word career, but also brand new pieces for people today Mm -hmm. 
And I'm going in with the mission of trying to give this generation new sounds mm. to know who they are. But also I knew I needed to start with I have a new name. Mm. The spoken word, it talks about the names that we've been defined by, the ways other people have defined us or our circumstances have defined us or the ways we mm. in our own minds and our own self-doubt have defined ourselves. Mm. And then the truth about what God says about us mm. and when you know who you are, it changes how you live. Mm. So it's so important that we know who we really are. So mm. we're not controlled by the opinions of people. Yeah. And so I had this spoken word piece that I've actually performed around the world the past seven years. And I just knew that it was time to put it back into the studio to, mm-hmm. for people to be able to stream it all over the world. Mm-hmm. But it took me really reinviting God back into some tender places in my life mm-hmm. to do this spoken word piece with a new authority, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I am blessed that I'm back in the studio. I re-record I Have a New Name. Now I'm recording new pieces and re-recording old pieces. Mm-hmm. But even I Have a New Name, God has breathed on on TikTok and on Instagram. We're seeing people all over the world, kids, mm-hmm. memorizing it themselves and quoting scripture, quoting, mm-hmm. I say nine names that God gives us mm-hmm. and I quote nine names that God gives us. And I'm, I just saw this morning, um, our TikTok hit a million views wow. this week and there's Amazing. kids from across the world who are quoting scripture. Mm-hmm. And this is like all self-funded. I mean, there's no money in this. Mm-hmm. Like there's no money in spoken word poetry being put on Spotify mm-hmm. or TikTok. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't, this is 100% mission and there is no way that you can equate that. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you how I equate that. And it's that, I obeyed God and it's healed my life and my marriage for me to go back to some of these mm. painful names I've still let define me for too long. Mm. And also this morning, all this kid from across the world quoting scripture, this young boy quoting scripture. And I saw it and there is no list for that. Mm -hmm. But people knowing more about what God says about them has always sort of been my gauge. Mm -hmm. And it's powerful, man. I I really believe that for anyone listening, like when God calls you to do something, it's not just about what he wants you to do. Mm -hmm. It's about what he wants you to become, who he wants you to become. And there's something really healing and sanctifying when you surrender your plans Mm -hmm. and make truly the center of your life. Mm -hmm. He will do more in you and through you. Mm -hmm. And most of it you won't even know about. Mm -hmm. But when God gets a lot of glory, that is a good purpose Mm. to have in your life. So good. It was so good, especially in a world that's constantly putting messages, subtle messages, even to, you know, have the glory yourself to do the, you know, and it's like, Mm-hmm. It completely yeah. misses it. We completely miss it when we're focused on that. So thank you for sharing that so authentically and, and honestly, because I think we all can relate to that in some way or another when God calls us into something that feels scary or feels like it's touching uncomfortable places that haven't been healed or is vulnerable, you know, and it's like, but usually when there is that like, I don't know if the word is like resistance, you know, but there's that little bit of like resistance or or feeling of like, oh, I just don't know. Like that's almost, sometimes I just want to be like, if you have that, lean into it, you know, because <laughs> like the things that yeah. are comfortable aren't usually where God is calling you, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point that you just made, how sometimes we feel called to do something, but the amount of reasons why we don't is something we really need to explore. Mm-hmm. Like, are they lies that the enemy is convincing us are true? If you obeyed God, you would fail and humiliate yourself, and there's no way to be rerouted. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you put your words out there or your video out there or your message out there, then it would just come off prideful. Like mm-hmm. I, I hear that a lot from women who feel like maybe not an author, not a speaker, but I want to write a blog mm-hmm. or encourage women or encourage kids or write something for students. I hear so many women that have so much to say, but they feel that perhaps putting themselves out there comes off prideful mm-hmm. or they don't want to make it about themselves. And there's two things I just want to say to that woman. One is if you're not 
in it for yourself, then it's very hard to come off like you're in it for yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just don't be in it for yourself. Be yeah. in it for the glory of God and helping mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to come off fake when you're not fake. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Just be real. And the other thing is, I know it seems like it comes off prideful, putting your stuff out there, putting your face on things, putting your name on things. Mm-hmm. But it's actually incredibly humbling mm-hmm. to put your stuff out there and hope that people read it. Put your stuff out there and 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 trust God for what He wants to do, not what you want it mm-hmm. to do. And I find more that it's more humbling. People aren't actually afraid of coming off prideful. They're mm-hmm. afraid of being humbled. Mm-hmm. And it really is. You surrender your plans and ego to God mm-hmm. and allow Him to do what He wants to do with it you will be humbled. Mm-hmm. So just mourn that now. But when God gets more glory, I'm telling you, it's it's worth it to live a life mm-hmm. where God is getting a lot of glory through your life. And so I just want to encourage women yeah. in that. But also, if you want to stream, I have a new name. It's on Spotify, Apple Music. And, you know, mm-hmm. we hope that everyone listens to it and shares it with their kids. Yeah. Seven minutes about what God says about you. Mm-hmm. It's under Hosanna Wong. I used to go uh, by Hosanna Poetry, Mm. so make sure you go by uh, search Hosanna Wong to Mm. find that track. But um, I hope it blesses you and your families Mm. and reminds you who you are in Christ. Yeah, so good. Did you see? My new book, Embrace Your Almost, is officially out in the world, and I can't believe it's available to you anywhere books are sold. You can grab it from Amazon or Target or Barnes & Noble or Books A Million. There's some special editions out there, too. Target has an exclusive edition. Barnes & Noble and Books A Million both have signed editions. And you can also get it at local independent bookstores. Anywhere books are sold, you should be able to find it. So if you are walking through a season of unmet expectations or disappointment or broken dreams or waiting or uncertainty, this book will bless your life. If you are not in one of those seasons, but you're just not entirely sure what's next for you, this book will bless your life. And if you have a loved one or a friend or a sister who's walking through a season like that, who's dealing with unmet expectations or broken dreams or uncertainty or waiting, this book will be such a great gift for her or something to pass on to her. So if that sounds like something you need or something a loved one in your life needs, grab a copy. Grab a copy from Amazon. Grab a copy from Barnes & Noble, from Target, from anywhere books are sold. I cannot wait to hear what you think. And I cannot wait to not only get this message in your hands, but also for you to pass on this message and share it because I believe it's more than a message. It's a movement. So as you listen, as you go about your day, I would love for you to put it in order, grab a copy and start reading as soon as it arrives at your door. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. (laughs) 
Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. I love what you yeah. said too about, you know, we think like, oh, putting something out there, maybe sharing my name, et cetera. That's prideful. But like you said, I think there's, it's almost like a false humility that can come up like, oh, I don't want to do that because it's prideful. Mm-hmm. But I think what we're actually yeah. doing is, you know, and that's where I think a lot of self-examination and, and really taking that to the Lord is important because I think we can be almost kind of tricked by that mentality when in reality, I think what we're actually afraid of is like potentially being embarrassed or, you know, people knowing who we yeah. are. And when you put yourself out there for the glory of the Lord, you will be humbled. Like you said, you'll be embarrassed. You'll get negative feedback. You'll, it's vulnerable. It's like putting your heart out on a platter and being like, here world, please don't squash it. You know, and most times you yep. it will get squashed sometimes, you know, and there's that requires humility and trust because, you know, like when, when you truly believe your, your life is not your own, it doesn't matter. You know, it's not prideful to say, here's what the Lord has given me. Let me, cre- let me use it to create or serve or make a difference, you know, even if it is at my expense or even if some don't like it or I get humbled in the process, you know? Um, so I love that just kind right. of shift of mindset because I do think you're right. Anytime, I think there is that assumption that if you're putting it out there, it must be prideful. You must be looking for attention. And it's like, well, if you're not doing it for yourself, it's really hard to come off that way. And it's pretty obvious, you know, so really just examine your own heart in that. Yeah. But yeah, that's so good. I love what you shared. And I think that's really important for people to hear. And also, I just am so thankful that you shared where to find the spoken word, because I know everyone's probably like, how do I listen to this? So that was going to be my next question. <laughs> but one of the last things I wanted to just kind of wrap up with, especially as we kind of talk through all of this stuff and just speak about humility and, the, you know, the, the way to live and the way to, to use your craft for the glory of God. I want to go back to Jesus's life on earth for a second, because I want to hear what your thoughts are on like his practice. Practices or which of his practices or habits are the most striking to you? What are some of the examples that he set that we can incorporate into our own ways of living and, and living to the glory of God through what we do? Yes, I love this question. My favorite question. Okay, I've also haven't been asked this yet, but I'm <laughs> throwing so some challenging to, ones out there. <laughs> having, yes, you did, you did not come to play, but I appreciate it because I mm-hmm. think these are real questions people mm-hmm. ask. Mm-hmm. So I'm not afraid of the real conversations. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that, as I've performed, I have a new name everywhere. One of the questions I get asked the most after we have this beautiful moment and everyone answers to their new names. The question I get asked the most afterwards mm-hmm. is how. How then mm-hmm. can I know who I really am and live like it every single day? Yeah. I want to know who I am, but I also want to know how 
when I leave this conference mm-hmm. or this event or I stop watching this YouTube video, how can I know this every single day? And I think that is the right mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Not just, oh, I know I'm a child of God or I know I'm a friend of God or I'm his masterpiece, but how can I live mm-hmm. like these names are true about myself? And that is the right question because I love it when our hands are in and our hopes are high, but I am a hands-on kind of woman. And so I need practical, tangible tools. And mm-hmm. I will say that is the difference between my life now and my life six years ago when I first released I Have a New Name is that I knew who I was in a moment, but I did not have the tools to know who I am every single day Mm. to live through more storms that were about to come. Mm. And I want this message to be more than a moment. I want it to be an ongoing movement in all of our lives Mm -hmm. so we can know who we are and live as who we are every single day. Mm -hmm. So when the lies of the enemy come into our lives and tell us we're not enough or we're not doing enough Mm -hmm. or that someone else can us or our past disqualifies us, Mm -hmm. that we are able to not just know truth, but live as if the word of God is true. And so one of the things that has been massive for me is unlocking what some of the rhythms of Jesus were. Mm-hmm. When I'm here wondering, how can I live mm-hmm. in a way where I know who I am and live out my purpose? Mm-hmm. I'm sort of obsessed with behind the scenes documentaries. Mm-hmm. Like I love seeing my favorite artists or athletes and mm-hmm. seeing how did they practice before the big game? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what was their lifestyle before this moment that helped them succeed in these big moments? Mm-hmm. And Jesus throughout his life shows us his behind the scenes life, mm-hmm. the private ways and the private moments he had so that people's opinions did not fail him and that he was still able to know who he was, do what God called him Mm -hmm. to do. And there is a handful in my new book. I give four rhythms actually. So my new book is called You Are More Than You've Been Told. Mm -hmm. And it's the toolbox I want to give to every person that hears I have a new name, Mm -hmm. but they want to know how. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things I find the most Mm -hmm. with people, my friends who are far from God and my friends who have known God their whole lives is sort of this feeling today of feeling just a little bit disconnected from Mm -hmm. God Mm -hmm. and disconnected from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we want to know how can we reconnect with God and how can we reconnect with ourselves? How can this faith thing be real and not stale? Mm -hmm. And so I've looked at the style of Jesus and some things that he did Mm -hmm. to make sure that he had a living connection with God, a vibrant connection with God. And there's four rhythms that really stick out to me that have transformed my life and my marriage these Mm -hmm. past six years Mm -hmm. to bring me to the place to say, I have the tools for you. Mm -hmm. I wonder which of these might have been big in your life too. So Mm -hmm. I'll just tell you the four, one that's kind of been massive for me, but one is the rhythm of scripture, Mm -hmm. a new way to engage with God's words. And this is what I mean by that. The answer to how do I read the Bible when I read it long and I read it for a longer period of time the ans- and I don't understand the words, mm-hmm. the answer is not read it longer and try to read it faster and mm-hmm. keep reading the translation you're reading. You need a new way to engage with God's words mm-hmm. that you understand and that you enjoy mm-hmm. because the point is not to have all these spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are not the goal. They are a means to the end. They are mm-hmm. always meant to bring you closer to Jesus mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. And so what we need to do 
with this rhythm of scripture, I'll just I'll just touch on these briefly, and then you tell me what you think might resonate the most with you and your people. Mm-hmm. But we really need to stop looking at how your mom read the Bible, mm-hmm. or how that woman on Instagram reads the Bible, or that one translation you think is the only translation. Mm-hmm. If the way you read the Bible does not actually bring you closer to Jesus, mm-hmm. then you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. It's meant to bring you closer to Jesus. The relationship with Him was the whole point. Mm-hmm. So we need a new way to engage with God's mm-hmm. words, whether that's slowly reading through. John, mm-hmm. a gospel, one chapter a day, read it a couple times, mm-hmm. pray on it, see something new about God. I did that with my little brother when I led him to Jesus. Mm-hmm. One of the things that he said was, now, where do I start? And that was a good question. And so I said, well, let's get to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we would read one chapter a day, three times, and we would pray before and say, God, show me something new about you mm-hmm. and show me something new about how to live And then at the end of the week, we would talk about what we learned through all the chapters. That was one way. I have a friend that reads through the Psalms. She Mm -hmm. prays through the Psalms. I have another friend who does a a version plan. Mm -hmm. And every morning before she's on social media, her and her friend text each other what they learned from the version plan. Mm -hmm. She found that doing... Uh, reading the Bible in the morning and also doing it in community with someone Mm -hmm. was the best way to re-engage with God's Word. So... I just think that we need to take a self-audit of how we're reading the Bible and if it's actually connecting us to God and trying out some new ways, maybe a different time of day, maybe a new translation, maybe doing it in community mm-hmm. so that it deepens our relationship mm-hmm. with God and doesn't become stale. Yeah. So one is a rhythm of scripture. You need a new way to mm-hmm. engage with God's word. The second one is a rhythm of prayer. I pray, I've prayed my maybe my whole life, but these past six years, I have felt very disconnected from God in my prayer life, and I needed a new way to pray. Mm-hmm. And so in my book, I talk about these three things, but I'll tell you the one that's the biggest to me. There's three, solitude, specific prayers, and saying thanks, mm-hmm. the act of solitude. Maybe when you're taking an hour drive, the first 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you're in quiet so you can untangle your thoughts, reconnect with yourself and reconnect with God. Specific prayers. I'll tell you right now that this is the one that's changed my life is you know, for some of us, we have names, lies that we're listening to because of something mean that someone said to us on social media mm-hmm. or something hurtful that our coworkers said last week. Mm-hmm. But for many of us, and I put myself in this category, we have lies that we heard when we were kids, mm-hmm. something our mom said about us, something a teacher said to us, and they have informed our way of living. What we think about ourselves informs how we live. And so when we believe lies our whole lives, mm-hmm. some of us don't even know that some of these are lies. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest things I had to do was write out specific painful memories in a journal. Mm-hmm the time that I thought a teacher would defend me, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. The time I needed my mom to say something to me, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who I thought would stay that didn't. And I wrote out a list. It was about 28 things. And over a week's time, I would pray specifically over that moment and look at it through the lens of God and through the power of the cross and pray that God would help me see it through his lens and be for me what nobody else was able to be for me mm-hmm. and praying specific prayers that God would heal me from these lies and these moments. And it took a long time, weeks and months of me really getting real. Some people I needed to forgive, some moments I needed to forgive myself, but praying specific prayers, having a rhythm of it. And for me, it's once a week. I have 
an elongated time of prayer when I'm praying specifically for things in my life and things in other people's lives, it's changed my life. Um, and saying thanks, a rhythm of gratitude, having times where you're praying to God and just to glorify Him and tell what you're thankful for. Mm-hmm. So that's a rhythm of prayer. The third one is a rhythm of rest. That's really been me understanding Sabbath in my own mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. Sabbath and freedom. What would it look like to live a little bit more free? Mm-hmm. And I will say the rhythm of rest has transformed my marriage in a way that no other rhythm ever has. Mm-hmm. And my husband will tell you that there was like a line in the sand moment, maybe three years ago, where after we had instilled this rhythm of rest in our lives, maybe two years ago, when I looked at my husband and I said, I'm not the same person. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he said, oh, I know. Mm-hmm. And it's actually how I opened up my book because it was like the moment I knew my marriage had changed when my husband was mm-hmm. like, you are, you know, you are, you're the woman I married, but you're more rested and you have purpose without the opinions of people. And this is the woman I love. Um, Rest has changed my life. Mm-hmm. And the fourth is the rhythm of real community. And by that, I mean two things that can really help you have real, true community. Your community might not be your best friends, your ride or die through thick and thin for mm-hmm. 40 years. Mm-hmm. It might not be the perfect church community where you have the perfect small group and all of you like the same kind of music and you go to the Swift concerts together. Mm-hmm. That's the dream, right? <laughs> right. But <laughs> that might not be what you're able to find. And I talk about two rhythms within that real community, confession telling someone you're really going through and bringing it into light Mm -hmm. and celebration going out of your way to truly celebrate what God is doing in the small ways and the big ways. And I will say out of these four things, a rhythm of scripture, a rhythm of prayer, a rhythm of rest and a rhythm of real community, the things that maybe I have gotten so wrong these past six years that I'm starting to get better at now Mm. would be the rhythm of rest, Mm -hmm. uh, really taking Sabbath seriously Mm -hmm. in my life, but practically for my actual life, Mm -hmm. not comparing it to someone else's and within the rhythm of real community. Mm -hmm celebration, Mm -hmm. realizing that celebration was a practice of Jesus. It was Mm -hmm. how he lived. He went out of his way to celebrate, but we often dismiss that spiritual discipline. Maybe it doesn't seem as spiritual to us, but we will get disconnected Mm -hmm. from God if we don't practice these rhythms that Jesus had. In fact, Dallas Willard, who's kind of one of my heroes when it comes to spiritual disciplines, Mm -hmm. he says this about celebration. He says, I have it right here. He says, certainly this will seem far too hedonistic to many of us, Mm. but we dishonor God as much by Mm. fearing and avoiding pleasure as we do by dependence upon it or living Mm. for it. Mm. And he's talking about coming back to the way that Jesus lived. So many of us say we follow Jesus, but we don't follow the way he lived his life, Mm -hmm. his lifestyle and rhythms. And one of the things that strikes me about Jesus's behind the scenes life, his rhythms, is that he often pulled away from the crowds, even his closest friends, he would go out of his way to reconnect with God, to pray, to read scripture, to rest, and to have real community. Mm -hmm. And we see this. It wasn't always the same time of day. It wasn't always the same kind of way. But Jesus was constantly going out of his way to make sure he had a living connection with God. And for anyone listening that feels a little bit disconnected from God or for yourself, we will have to get off of autopilot Mm -hmm. and we will have to go out of our way to maintain the living connection Mm -hmm. between us and God. Mm -hmm. And when we have these rhythms, we will learn that we can reconnect with God Mm -hmm. and reconnect with ourselves. So that's kind of the biggest ones for me. I don't know if any of those resonate with you. We might have any of those in common. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, I completely, I mean, a lot of them, but especially the rhythm of rest, you know, especially as someone who, you know, is, 
driven and has multiple interests and multiple passions and call, you know, feel, feels called and passionate about multiple things. You know, it's, it was interesting because I feel like through my season of going through a lot of loss personally and really feeling kind of stripped mm-hmm. of everything I thought was important. You know, sometimes you go through such big loss that the things you once thought were important kind of seem so insignificant. Maybe you've experienced something like that and God kind of strips yeah. you back down to like the, the bare bones of like what really matters here, you know? And um, I think in that season for me, it, really became like obvious, these big gaps that I was kind of leaving there. And one was, you know, this, or this area wasn't stewarding well. And I think something that came, became really obvious to me was that I had just been living kind of on a hamster wheel, right. With like, no, it was like, there was like no off button because I was just constantly. And I think I was living under the illusion that I was doing things for God. And I had to come to terms with the fact that like, no, you only get to do things because of God. Like, yes, it's for God's glory, but like, you don't even get to do things unless God allows you to, you know what I mean? Like you, like every, everything that we have, every gift that we have, every experience we have, every pain we have, like all of that informs our calling. And that's all what God has allowed us to experience, has gifted us, et cetera. And so, I don't know, I think through, through a similar season for me where it just felt like a really low season, establishing the rhythm of rest and realizing that was an area that I had really neglected was so transformative for me spiritually, for my marriage, for my family. My, you know, at the time I didn't ha- even have, you know, children. And it was so fascinating to see like now stepping into a season of motherhood even and as a as a woman who's worked and who creates and you know who does different things. It's like yeah. implementing that discipline and that rhythm has been so critical moving into a new season of life. And I think similarly, you know, I think if we don't have those rhythms established, we almost kind of get lost in the doing. Would you agree? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree that we can do a lot of things Mm -hmm. and still do a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're depending on our, yeah. Like when we're depending on our own power, Mm -hmm. our own ideas, our own platforms Mm -hmm. or whatever, Mm -hmm. we can say a whole lot of things and still say a whole lot of nothing. And I think for people like you and I and anyone else listening who might feel that, you know, your drivenness is a good thing about you. That is something that God gave us. Mm-hmm. Um, your desire to be excellent, that's something good about you. That's mm-hmm. something God gave us. Mm-hmm. But when we make these good things, God things, mm-hmm. that's when we stop depending on the power of God mm-hmm. and we become depleted and we become exhausted. And you know what? The stuff we create also becomes void of God's power Mm -hmm. working in us and through us. Mm -hmm. We're not creating better things when we're creating it without the power of God. Mm -hmm. And I I know we have to, uh, you know, close this conversation, but mm-hmm. there, there's a story I, I reshare in my book that I think is so important what you're saying right here. Mm-hmm. And it's in Mark and it's when the disciples wanted to have breakthrough, but they weren't able to, they wanted to heal mm-hmm. somebody, but they weren't able to. And they say, Jesus, how come you were able to do it? But we weren't able to do it, which is a good question because mm-hmm. he had already given them power and authority mm-hmm. over spirits. So why didn't they why did the disciples not have the breakthrough they wanted to have when they were doing all these good things all the time? Mm-hmm. And Jesus says there are, he basically says that there are some spirits that can't be casted out. There are some breakthrough that we will not have mm-hmm. unless we're fully dependent on him. He says this mm-hmm. kind of spirit cannot be casted out with anything other than prayer. Mm-hmm. And it shows that, you know, prayer is a physical expression of depending on God. Mm-hmm. So is Sabbath, a mm-hmm. physical expression of depending on God. Mm-hmm. Fasting, it's a physical expression of depending on God. And so it does not mean that the disciples were not praying or that they were not depending on God. Jesus says this kind of spirit can be casted out by nothing but prayer. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that there are some things you will want to do in your life. There is some breakthrough you will want to have that you can have, but you will not have unless you are depending on nothing but me. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they were praying 
depending on God, but they were also depending on their own plans Mm -hmm. or strategy Mm -hmm. and egos. It was mixed up with too much of their own Mm -hmm. stuff. And Jesus then shows them how they can have power and authority over things by fully depending on him. Mm -hmm. This is so true in my life. Mm -hmm. There are just so many things because I am good at strategy, because I'm good at leading, mm-hmm. because I've spent years of trial and error, mm-hmm. not that I was born knowing it, but mm-hmm. because I've spent years of learning how to do things, mm-hmm. I can sometimes think that I know the best way to reach people, to speak to people, to plan and strategize. Mm-hmm. And Jesus wants to remind all of us there is breakthrough that we can have mm-hmm. when we are fully dependent on Him, and we show that we're not dependent on Him when we're depending on our own plans, Mm -hmm. egos, pride. And also when we refuse to rest in him, Mm -hmm. when we refuse to Sabbath, when we refuse to make time to make our relationship with him, the most important part of our calling, Mm -hmm. you will get disconnected from God and disconnected from yourself and your work will suffer Mm -hmm. and how you love people will suffer. So for me, Sabbath has been something I've had to reclaim because I think for so many years that people in my life who were very passionate about Sabbath Mm -hmm. were maybe a little bit more strict. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't able to onboard, like I wasn't able to even start because it was a very specific time of day to start, a very specific time of day to end, and maybe a lot of guilt wrapped up Mm -hmm. in if I wasn't able to do it perfectly. Mm -hmm. And Jesus came to set you free from guilt. So if you Mm -hmm. have a spiritual discipline that's wrapped up in guilt, we're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had to realize that the whole point, you know, Jesus says Sabbath we were not meant to serve Sabbath. Sabbath mm-hmm. was meant to serve mm-hmm. us. That it is not something we are forced to do, but it is a gift from God mm-hmm. that He gave us that we can do. And it helps us connect with Him and with ourselves. And so with me, I had to realize, okay, I can't do it the exact same way as some of my friends at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. I don't have a life schedule where every single week is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And my husband doesn't have the exact same work schedule where we can take off the exact same moments that our friends might be able to mm-hmm. take off. It's a practical way that we do Sabbath is at the beginning of every month, we look at our calendar and we plan ahead for our Sabbaths. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, not everyone might agree with this, but because Jesus tells me that it's meant to serve me Mm -hmm. so I can connect with him, I'm not meant to serve it. We don't always do it the same day every Mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that sometimes it's a Friday, sometimes it's a Saturday, sometimes because I'm on the road for a weekend, Mm -hmm. it's a Tuesday. But at the beginning of the month, we plan ahead, hey, when can we Sabbath? Mm -hmm. And that might mean that my Sabbath doesn't look like your Sabbath. Mm -hmm. But weekly, we have a rhythm Mm -hmm. of not doing anything to get ahead, not being defined by the things we do. We have checklists of things that haven't gotten done. Mm -hmm. And we are saying we are loved and valuable without doing one thing. Mm -hmm. And we depend on God. He said we only need six days of work mm. to do what he's called us to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say, no, God, I'm going to work beyond your plan because I am dependent on me. And that has reconnected me and my husband with each other and with mm-hmm. God in a way these past couple of years we never knew was possible. Mm-hmm. And so I will say it's not perfect mm-hmm. and it doesn't look like everybody's, but it does help us actually connect with God. And that's my hope for anyone listening, that you actually go out of your way to have a self-audit in the rhythms that you have, the ways you connect with Jesus and specifically mm-hmm. in rest, like what me and Jordan are talking about. Mm-hmm. How can you actually uh, stop finding value in what you do, what you achieve mm-hmm. and rest in God, knowing that you're loved 
before you even achieve one thing. Mm, so good. Yeah. I, and I totally resonate with that. Even just how it can be so transformative to your walk with God, to your, to your marriage, to your family. You know, it's just, it's so true. And I love also that you kind of spoke about the importance of the flexibility of it, because I think we can, we can think of Sabbath and think, oh, it's got to be Sunday, you know, <laughs> or whatever. And, or the same day every week. And, and really just like you said, it's, it's there to serve you. It's a gift. So creating a ton of rules around it, I think having some, some boundaries on it so that you, you do actually rest and you do actually Sabbath can be important, but having yeah. a lot of hard and fast rules kind of take away the purpose of it to begin with. So I love that you shared that. And I think that's so freeing for so many people to kind of be like, okay, we can just be proactive about picking the days of the, of the month. That's going to be the most effective for us to Sabbath. So I absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing all of this. You know, I think as women who, you know, have, whether it's passions or crafts that we are trying to pour into or, you know, callings we're trying to steward or get clarity on or, you know, and also just have the responsibilities of life, whether that's marriage or work, you know, outside of the thing that we might be trying to create or do or, you know, pursue. And just also just the, 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 the work of being a human, you know, trying to take care of yourself and all yeah. of those things, you know, I think we can just get so caught up in it and, and our heads can just feel like they're spinning sometimes. And there's just always another demand or someone who needs something and, and just learning to lean into the truth of who we are, you know, who God says we are and, and really be thoughtful and intentional about when it comes to our callings, you know, focusing on how am I making sure people are loved versus trying to be loved? And how can I focus on the consumer over the competition? And then ultimately, how can I do this in a way that really follows the rhythms of Jesus? How do I live this out well so that there's not this pressure, this pressure to prove, this comparison, all these things that can just really entangle us and take away from the good that God wants to do in and through us? I mean, this has just been so rich and so good. I feel like we could talk for five more hours, but I would yeah. love if you can just just share, point to point, point us to where we can find more from you, learn from you, listen to your work and, and read your books. Just I would love if you can just point us in the direction to, to follow along more. Yeah, hosannawong.com, one S, two Ns. Mm-hmm. Hosannawong.com has all my books and my spoken word, but you can also stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Hosanna Wong, mm-hmm. and follow me on Instagram at hosanna.wong. Hosanna.wong, we put tons of resources there. Yeah, my, if you're interested in my new book or if you wanted to stream this spoken word, it's all there for you, hosannawong.com. Thank you for your support and for um, streaming it, guys. Oh, yes. That'd be awesome. Yes, definitely go check it yeah. out. Thank you. We'll be sure to link it in the show notes as well. But thank you so much for everything you've shared here. Thanks for being vulnerable and honest and encouraging. I feel like this has just been so just been like, it's been a lift for me spiritually and just so encouraging for me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everything you've shared has just been so, so good. Same. Thanks for letting me be a part of this community. Appreciate it so much, Jordan. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content. And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Anything less.